0: Hey everybody, Happy New Year once more, I guess, but this is the first time I'm actually coming to you in 2021 to bring you This Week in Mormons. I'm Jeff Openshaw. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you very much for taking the time to tune in to our wee uh, little podcast as we get into the news of the week. And it's like barely anything happened last week, so we're fine. It was such a quiet week. It was great. Um, Before we get to that, I would like to remind all of you. Please, of course, uh, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Mormons. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. Go to thisweekinmormons.com where you can stream this episode, find show links for the stories we talk about, uh, and a number of other interesting articles. For example, our Temple Awards are going to go up this week. By the time you hear this, they'll probably be up where you voted and chose the best new temple renderings of 2020. So stuff like that. And thank you once again, big shout out to our Patreon supporters. Thank you guys very, very much for your patronage and helping us keep the show going. That's very wonderful of you. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, hit that subscribe button wherever you're getting your podcasts. If you're on Spotify, if you're on iTunes, if you're on Google, whatever, make it happen. Anyway, enough of the housekeeping. Really excited this week. We are bringing back, I think this might be the first time we have converted show guest into show host. So I'm very pumped about this. Soraya Wilson is here. Once more, our favorite romance author. Soraya, how are you doing?
1: I am doing so great. How are
0: you? I'm well. I'm well enough. You know, it's it's January 11th and we're just living the dream. So it's super fun to have you back. You know, we talked about this, I think, a little bit at the end of the episode when we interviewed you and you just said, like, I'm game. Let's do this. Let's do some news. And so finally, we have put it together many, many moons later. And uh, that's great. So we're psyched that you're here because you are an opinionated person and those people those are the people who need to be heard. And that's important. We, there, there are With all the censorship going on today, where can you even find a place to have your voice heard, Soraya? So I am thrilled to give you this microphone and have you be here. Um, what's going on in the world of like, how, how's life? Since we
1: really last spoke, I mean, how was Christmas? How's the new year? How are things? Tell, Give it's, us an update. It's good. Um, professionally, I hit the USA Today bestseller list in December. That's awesome. So you now have to like use that title when you address me. USA okay, selling it. author Soraya Wilson was you that know. for any, any book in particular or just it was an anthology that I was a part of with some okay. other authors so that was pretty cool Christmas was good I had my two oldest kids come home and it was just us we usually do a great big extended family and we just thought we can't risk it you know and so we did like zoom and not the same and hopefully this year we can go back to to things being normal again but yeah and now I'm just writing a book coming out next year and kind of devoting all my time to that so that's awesome
0: and it's a, I forgot, I think you told us, you you crank out books pretty fast once you're in the zone, don't you?
1: Yeah, it takes me about a month. Yeah, that's I mean, pretty impressive. You know, when people look at Joseph Smith, what did he write, was it two months to write the Book of Mormon? And I'm like, you guys have no idea. You have no idea how fast that is. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm making all mine up. Mine's just in my, you know, I thought stuff he had to keep straight. Like, I will, I will get to like chapter six and go, what was that character's name in chapter one? And have to go looking back to find it. And I thought he never did that, never. And he—it's amazing. So everybody's like, "This is fiction." We had family home evening tonight about why the Book of Mormon's real and not made yeah. up. So
0: that's a good yeah. family home evening. Yeah, I'm not quite there at that age with my kids in terms of uh, those discussions. Though we have been reading the—we uh, started before the new year, but you know, now we switched over to Doctrine and Covenants, of course, with Come Follow Me. But leading into that, we we have those classic little panelled kids—you mm-hmm. know, the drawing ones of all the scriptures, whatever it's called. You know the ones I'm talking about, right? I know what you're talking about. Had, you know. So I used to skip that a lot with my oldest kid because I was like, some of these stories are just over his head. Like he doesn't care about some random tale about like David Whitmer or something like that, but he's getting it more and he's pretty interested. I mean, it's funny watching a five-year-old try to process, not just the first vision, but stuff like, yeah, there was like all this fighting in Missouri and they got killed and everybody got <sighs> run out of the state. And he's everybody like,
1: Everybody was dead. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's been fun. I'm psyched that it's uh, Doctrine and Covenants this year. I love I loved church history so much. Four years ago this time, I was a gospel doctrine teacher. And so I was totally spoiled. And that was right when they had revised, this was pre-come follow me, but they'd revised the curriculum um, for Doctrine and Covenants to have things like the multiple accounts of the first vision, a lot of good discussion there. So I'm just psyched to get back into it because I think it's uh, church history is a, I just geek out a bit about it as evidenced by some of the guests we've had on the show, but uh, it's going to be a good year so. That was cool. Happy times. Yeah, so we're happy to be with all of you. Obviously, last week, we had our wonderful interview with Richard Osler. If you have not listened to that, please check it out and share it around as well. We're worth your time. He is a terrific individual, and we had a great time having him on last week. And so we recorded that, though, in December, a little behind the curtain stuff there. So now, here we are. It is January. I mean, what a great new year. We made it one week into 2021 with, and almost burned down the whole joint. This is why we can't have nice things. I guess. It's been a frustrating week and I don't want to opine too much because I think our listeners have, long listeners have probably every idea what I think of some of the things that went down in our country this past week. And I live in Washington, D.C., so fun times. Um, yeah, 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 it's been very uh, perplexing and there's been some good pieces have come out about it. Actually, I one I didn't even reference here, uh, Jana Reese wrote an article talking about how the events of the Capitol showed sort of the worst and the best of Mormonism uh, and the the synopsis is essentially, of course, we have the worst side of it. We have people parading around with the title of liberty and trying to, you know, bring truth to all this or whatever that's about. And then the other side of it is we have people like Mitt Romney, who have been like standing up for principles big time over the past bit. I'm sure you saw that viral video of him in the airport, too, yeah. uh, getting heckled. It's it's fascinating how in any religion you can... Uh, you know, you can pick and put, you can pick apart which parts you want and which parts sort of benefit your cause. And you can do that politically as well. Go figure. Right. Um, I just, I was, um, I was dismayed to see everything that was going on there at the Capitol. I mean, I'm like, it's just crazy. Cause even like seeing where this stuff's going down, I was like, if, if we were in the office right now, you know, cause of COVID this would have like been marching outside my building, you know, with yeah. all everything going down. And it's just, uh, It's disheartening. And admittedly, it it troubles me that there are members of our faith who traveled to take part in this and think that this was a noble cause. Not that there's anything wrong, with I think, with protesting, with having your voice heard in general. Of course not. Whatever it may be, that's fine. But I guess in my mind, I was talking with my wife about this. Like, does this cross a different line? Because it wasn't just a protest like, yeah, yeah, we support one party. It was, yeah, 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 we want to undermine democracy, which to me is a little bit different. did you expect, Sarai, that the church would actually like come out and say something directly about this when everything was going down? Were you expect a, a statement from the brethren?
1: I mean, I don't think I was because I guess it doesn't really affect Zion, you know, in a sense yeah. that we're here, whether or not the United States stands. But I, I find it fascinating that they have repeatedly referenced Elder Oaks's talk from October to 2020 right. conference. Yeah. And I went through and reread it. And I'm like, and I understand that he was talking about, you know, the Black Lives Matter riots that were happening, you know, in the spring and summer and that he was addressing that. But I'm like, how prescient, you know, that this comes down the line and we already have a talk in place that says from not only is he an apostle of God and next in line to be prophet, he is a lawyer. He was like a justice here in Utah. And he's telling you how he said the constitution was not written for revolution and anarchy. And anybody who thinks it does is wrong and reminded us. They said, Jesus was not a revolutionary. And that was one of the reasons the Jews had a problem with him was because they were expecting a savior who was going to march on Rome. And that was not his thing at all. He's like, render the Caesar. What is Caesar's? And I, I guess I'm seeing people feel like selection was stolen. I mean, from my own, my own reading and things, I do not think that is the case, but I understand that there are many people who feel that way, who feel very frustrated because I, I worked in law, in a legal field for a while um, as a, secretary when i first graduated from college and i thought and i've worked with attorneys and the fact that every lawsuit that's been filed has been thrown out with a judge making statements i'm like guys these are republicans who are doing it these are conservatives these are guys who are appointed by trump like it's not a conspiracy <laughs> like the levels of conspiracy would have to be happening for everybody to participate i'm like it's just kind of mind-boggling but yeah. with, uh, with elder oaks's talk i don't know how you could be any more clear and, you know, someone said to me, well, that's just his opinion. I'm like, you mean his opinion that he rendered as a general authority in conference that we're going to study his scripture from now on? That's not an opinion. That is a proclamation from the Lord. Whether it is by my own mouth or my servants, it is the same. And he came out and said. Which we just studied in Doctrine and yeah, Covenants. like, yeah, a week and a half like ago. Yeah. don't do this stuff. You know, it, it's. And I think if you're having a problem with it, if you were in support of it and think the writing was good and it was good for them to try and take hostages and shoot people on site, I would urge you to please go read that talk and, you know, take your repentance because you need it. You know, that he could not be more clear about we do not do this. We do not riot. We do not, you know, try to burn the Capitol down and kill people and assassinate them. We do not do this. That is not the answer ever.
0: Yeah. And then the, the funny thing with his remarks is like you know you you referenced even his responses to the BLM protests, but he spoke very clearly about the election, which was a month away back when we had general conference. Yeah, he talked very clearly about like you know we accept the results that are right. that are fair. I mean, there's so much when you talk about being prescient. I mean the 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 counselor is fascinating now after the fact, looking back and seeing what he was saying that went beyond Black Lives Matter protests and really spoke about how we needed to act uh, coming up on the election. And uh, I'm, I mean, I think I'm with you, I'm, I'm troubled by this. I'm troubled why we would try to wield our faith to, as an excuse to undermine our institutions. I don't think that's healthy. I I can, but I also believe that I think those involved truly believe what they're doing. I don't think it's just, you know, rabble rousing for the sake of it or anything like that. There's a real belief there. And that speaks to a a litany of other issues that are, you know, beyond the scope of this podcast, but right like why we are believing these things and why we are susceptible to X, Y, and Z and conspiracy theories and all sorts of stuff. But, um, it's uh, it's funny though. I think part of me was disappointed that I, I mean, if I, I was one of the ones yearning for like, man, I want president Nelson to come out right now and just, I, I want him to pull a president Uchtdorf and just give a stop it. It's just yeah. like, dude, cut this out. If you participated in this, repent of it, get home and just cut it out. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Not in those words exactly, but I was hopeful something like that might come down the line. So I was a little bit let down that it was just like just read President Oaks' talk. Um, but at the same time, like I said, President Oaks' talk is remarkably applicable in this, and I like that you also said that you know it's it came at General Conference. So if someone says this is just his opinion. It is sort of just someone's opinion if it comes in like a book they're selling a Deseret Book, which is like technically not a publication of the Church and therefore not a publication of President Oaks. Which that's a line, maybe you understand this better than I do, Sarai, but I've never fully understood it. Because it's like, we buy these books from the brethren who write them, but these are not like official books as an apostle of the Lord, because they can't be. So then like, it's just David Bednar's opinions. Right. Not an apostle. But in this case, it was not Dallin Oaks jurist thinking. It was President Oaks, longtime apostle of the Lord. Right. uh, Counseling us. so Giving you modern day scripture. Yeah, so. I think that's a, I think that's a good thing to remember. So it was okay uh, with that, but um, I'm still just very sad about this entire thing. And people are just so darn angry on social media. And I was very quiet for a while. I was chilling out on politics. I was like, I'm fine. I don't need to do this. And now, oh, the rage is back. The doom scrolling is back. It's just a, yeah. I I need a hobby or to be have a project. Like
1: you 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 get to you've got your work. This is great. I get to shut it out. It's pretty nice.
0: Now, um. Did you see Captain Moroni at this thing?
1: I did. And it was very sad. I'm very sad by it. Like, here's the thing. The first book I ever, the first book I ever wrote was about Captain Moroni's daughter. Of course, entirely fictional. I, (laughs) you know, that's
0: a good way to lead off
1: any (laughs) statement. I have, I have read about Captain Moroni. I have written about Captain Moroni. This guy was no Captain Moroni. Like, I I told my husband, I'm like, if you die before me, and you know, I'm going to die, like the time comes someone says, Hey, you know, your wife's about to die. I said, go get the family. And then you go find Captain Moroni. I want him next. Like I have said that for years. Like he's he's after the family. I want Captain Moroni so I can meet him. He's like, he's probably be busy. I'm like, I don't care. You have to tell him that he's going to come meet me because I love him that much. So it's very hard for me when somebody does something like this, it kind of defames him to me. When Mike Lee said Trump was <laughs> Captain Moroni, yeah. I have never been so angry. I wanted, it's the first time I've wanted to throat punch someone. And then he doubled down on it. You know, he well, didn't well, say,
0: careful oh, there no. parlor, careful there with the violence parlor. Take it easy. Sorry. Yeah. Take I easy. Take it easy.
1: He's so special down. to me. He's such, and I'm like, I think Mike Lee was mispronouncing Captain Moroni. And what he meant to say was King Noah, you know, <laughs> but, um, I told my husband, "I'm like, I'm going to make Mormons hate me on this podcast." And, like, but we established before that they're not they're not you're, you're not marketing to them directly, so it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I just it, it was very upsetting to me because I thought this is a man that is one of the most righteous men who has ever lived. The very powers of hell would be shaken if everybody was like him. Don't you dare take his name and his likeness and use it for something like this. I, I, it it just infuriates me.
0: I really hope this is not his likeness. I mean, obviously, all we know is that he's- I mean, it's one. not. You know, I, the great thing about the Book of Mormon is there's so much of likenesses that we don't actually know. We've just supposed them for a very long time. Yeah. My favorite of them being that Abenadi is an old, ripped man. Yeah. When, for all we know, Abenadi was 15. We have no idea, right? But um, this Captain Moroni, this is great. He's doing some cosplaying. It looks like he he raided, I don't know, the Relief Society cupboard after the Hillcumorra pageant or something. <sighs> And he's just, he's dressed up. he They even get an interview with him in front of the Capitol. He's waving the title of Liberty. It's just, this is, to me, this is just fantastic, which I'm saying in all sarcasm. But I just think, I, I love that someone got an interview with him because when this started breaking and I saw on Twitter footage that there was someone out there at first, you saw just this title of Liberty, of liberty, title of Liberty waving. And that alone, I was like, oh boy, oh boy. Here we go. And then you see the garb, the actual wielder of the flag. And then someone got up close and got to talk to this person. So, I mean, that alone, that's excellent journalism from Jason Allred, who has 11 subscribers on YouTube and deserves a lot more for being there. Yes, for getting this interview. Great thing about the uh, YouTube videos right underneath it. It has a disclaimer that says the Electoral College has confirmed Joe Biden as president elect. Just to remind you about misinformation. Anyway, this 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 this, Captain Rony is awesome. I think he's great. I mean, the real one's great, too. That's a whole other discussion that I would love. Heck, let's get into it. Soraya. Do you ever worry that Captain Moroni was... Because you, you love him a lot, so I I, I I want your perspective here. All right. Was he sort of illiberal in the classic sense? I mean, Moroni basically threatened to put people to death if they didn't get in line with what he believed in.
1: We, that's a shorthand- that. that's And I, I've seen though, people but, you know, say that, oh, he did this out of emotion or did that. And I... He was gonna. So he
0: was change. gonna take Zarahemla. He he. Right. That, he was marching. Going to march on Zarahemla. Yeah. Dilpahoran was, was like, dude, chill out. We're all
1: good. I'm sorry, you're upset, man. It's okay. I even love that. I love the exchange, and I love what it teaches us. And um, was he fiery? Was he a bit of a hothead? I don't know. It kind of sounds like it, but you know, that certainly didn't make Mormon love him any less. You know, it didn't make him stop singing his praises at all. That I think sometimes we kind of had this what I would say is a justified anger, a justified outrage as something that is completely wrong and immoral. And I think that's probably how Captain Moroni was feeling. And people say, well, that's how they fill out the Capitol. And I'm like, it's not the same. Moroni was working with the freemen, trying to get rid of the kingmen, trying to get rid of the guys who wanted the dude to be the king, you know, and bypass the democratic elections and bypass everything else, right? Just install himself as a king. Moroni was trying to prevent that. So I, I don't see the parallels I guess I mean I I can see where people yeah. I, I can see where people could make would try to make the argument but do I agree absolutely not me neither so sad week
0: uh, in general for those sorts of things and I know now they've even they've even warned us there could be further violence at other uh, events over the next handful of days until yeah. uh, next week I guess next Wednesday when the when we will have the. Inauguration. So I hope everyone's safe. I mean, I know there was even—I think there was even a, a protest or an event of some sort at the Utah State Capitol, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I just read an article today that they're they're upping security for next week. They've already started yeah. doing that.
0: Yeah, stuff's going around. So it's uh, it's sad, and it's sad to see like giant barricades around the Capitol now in D.C. and just like here we are. So let's just hope for good things, everybody. But we would like to stress once more that even though the church has not formally said. The church has congratulated Joe Biden finally on on being president, which is enough. I mean, they're recognized. The church has recognized the Biden presidency. Yeah. So t- let that. I'm sure that was a different show, but I'm sure you saw those comments in December when Facebook lost its mind over the uh, church's post
1: about that. Did you see any of that? I didn't that was, see any of it. I'm in my like own little bubble, I guess. Won't spend
0: much time on it here. The sisters covered it last month, but this was when the church they were late to it. Usually, the church has. Um, has congratulated the new president pretty much immediately after the election. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it with Biden right away. And we, we even wrote a piece about it wondering why I assumed it was because the other Trump did not concede and you know they didn't want to get in the fray and seem political yeah. about it or whatever. So after, immediately after the electoral college voted, that's when they issued their statement of support to support, to just congratulate Joe Biden. It was just, you know, pablum basically, just, you know, happy little great job. We hope we can work together. Da, da, da. Um, And then like the church's Facebook page just it went nuclear. The comments on there were insane. It was just it was absolutely it got so bad they had to shut down comments on the church's feed, which is which is saying something because I'm amazed they leave it as open as they do cuz plenty of people show up on the church's Facebook property and just say all the stuff you would expect, you know, against. Right. The church. So, um fun times there. All right. So uh we can move past that a little bit to some news that broke today real quick. Now it's now it is 3. Elder Suarez apparently also had COVID. But they're not saying he just got COVID. They are saying he and his wife both contracted COVID-19 and have since recovered. So I don't know if this just happened, uh, you know, over the holidays and it was
1: just quiet. Yeah, but- I just feel like, brethren, we need you. You are in the age range of people who have to worry. Please stop. Although in Utah, they did just announce that starting January 18th, um, anybody 70 and over can get the vaccine. So i like, go. yeah, here we go. We got the apostles and the prophet. Let's go with the vaccine please i'm sure they'll get it. i mean why would they not yeah, i know uh, i'm hoping
0: so there's not much more to the story beyond that obviously he and his wife uh rosanna Suarez, had experienced quote mild cases of covid19 during the holiday break uh they were both at home they were away from other church leaders and all that and that's essentially everything that happened uh that makes him the third apostle uh six people overall you know including their wives uh to have covid and oddly this means it's the the three most junior apostles are the ones who have contracted COVID. It started with Elder Gong and Elder Renland is just senior above him, and Elder Suarez is the most junior apostle. I just find it very curious. It's those three. I don't know where they live in the Salt Lake area. Like I don't know if it was geographically related or not, but it's just it's just strange to me. It hasn't jumped around. That like we don't have, you know, like a Bednar grabbing it just randomly or something. It's just those bottom three. If the next one to get it is Stevenson, then I'm gonna think something weird Then
1: you know like. it's a pattern. Then you know it's it's following the line of succession. It's being very respectful. It's gonna it's gonna work its As way all it the way the up. Order, yeah.
0: All the way up until it gets to uh well, you know, President Ballard, everybody. It might happen. So he's doing well. Um not much more to say about it beyond that, but he is uh they, they've recovered and he's fine, and hopefully more brethren do not get COVID. Um How's it been for your award locally? In mine, we went a very long time with nobody getting COVID, but now it's been like happening more on the regular, even out here. And Virginia's done a pretty decent job keeping things
1: suppressed. I honestly have not heard of people locally having it, but that doesn't mean anything because, like I said, bubble introvert, I'm not really up on everything that goes on <laughs> in, in my ward. And I'm not the really excited president. You know, I don't know. No one's calling me in for anything. So, uh, I haven't heard of it happening here. We've started going back just recently, like last week, we started going back to church where, I mean, I, I don't know how it is for you guys, but ours is every other row is closed off. Everybody has yeah. to wear a mask. They put the bread in little cups. So nobody's touching the bread anymore, which I'm like, I hope we keep this. This is nice. Let's keep doing this. Uh, and I'm so bad. Like I'm I'm like, I like everything. I like that nobody can sit next to me in a movie theater or on an airplane Kim, I would like to keep this going forward. It's it's nice. But um, you know, they're very careful to clean the podium in between speakers and and they only let half the word come. So it's A through L one week and then N through Z the next. So that's what we've started doing here.
0: Ours is a little bit different. We've been going weekly, but we're limited to fifty or less attendees. And that's and that's including like efficients and everybody. Um and we're not doing it alphabetically. Basically, like I'm the I'm the executive secretary, so I basically have the privilege. I am the key master of who comes to church. The bishop just put it on me, and like I just I have spreadsheets, and I just kind of work through like and I'm every every Friday or Saturday, I send like a personal invitation to the people who are invited to come that week. And that's how we've been doing it. But they have done, of course, the same precautions. Even in Virginia, we're allowed to have at least 100, but our stake president is the one who has just said keep it at 50. He doesn't want us to go beyond that. So, Well,
1: I mean, when this started, one of the things I looked into and the church's response to it, and I'm like, of course, again, how great of the Lord to put a doctor as our prophet who would see this, you know, not just as a prophet, but as a scientist as well. I'm like, thank heavens for that. Thank heavens he's in charge. Because part of the problem was in 1918 with the Spanish flu, the LDS church in Utah was dramatically hit. They had so many deaths because they did not stop going to church. He did not stop having their meetings. They did not stop. And they were much more, I think, interconnected back then than we are now. You know, that the whole yeah. sacraments like two or three hours and you have release least study on Monday and priesthood on Tuesday and primaries on you know, it was like every night you were doing something. Um, but I think someone has to be looking back at that and saying, how about we don't do that again? How about we don't kill thousands of our members and, you know, stay safe and stay healthy. And because it was a problem before. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Big time. How about no? How about yeah. no? A That's couple of quick mentions I'll get out, and then I'll let Soraya get some stuff. Uh, Elder Rasband gave the invocation at Governor Spencer Cox's inauguration, which is exciting to people in Utah, such as you, Soraya, because I- Super exciting. I'm so political. I, I am not I am not there. My old Elder's Corn president works for Governor Cox, though. So, Gordon, this one's for you, buddy. You're doing great. Thanks. Uh Other quick mentions. There's some progress on the Richmond, Virginia Temple, which is- more exciting for me. I'm in the D.C. Temple District, but we're stoked to have a temple down the down the freeway there in Richmond, an hour and change away. Uh, it's awesome. It's coming up pretty well, actually. I mean, they've got all the steel framing in place and everything, and that thing's going to be – we're still a ways off. You know, I'm sure it's two-plus years away from a dedication, but I'm psyched for that. Well, I, just it's I mean, it's not like right. – are you guys – now, you live in Saratoga Springs. Are you guys close mm-hmm. to the temple right there? I mean –
1: yeah. My, it's it's I mean, next to my children's middle school. Like they like, could right, walk there right. from the temple. Wow. So yeah. it's like, I'm like, yeah, it's so nice. I mean, because I lived in Ohio and the only yeah. people that we had for forever was, I don't even know, Chicago, I think was our closest for a while. And then they that built big, one cool. in Columbus. Yeah, And that yeah. was an hour and a half away. And it was like the most thrilling thing that had ever happened to us. But yeah, being here in Utah, it's like, oh yeah, we have one like two minutes down the, literally two minutes down the road. It's super nice. I would recommend it. <laughs> well, you, you have 25 of them. Utah's so yep. righteous. You can pick one. Where in Ohio did you live, anyway?
0: I lived in just north of Cincinnati. Okay. So, I love Cincinnati Cincinnati's a good town, man. I love it's Cincinnati. It's a great place. It's a unsung gem. Not not as good as Pittsburgh, which is my favorite Ohio River Valley city. But uh, And Pittsburgh's getting a temple, too. Temples galore. So for I'm everybody. excited for it. I was actually looking at the district, though, because the, the D.C. Temple, of course, has been there for a long time, and it took up the whole... Eastern it took up everything east of the Rockies for a long time, but we lost about a third of our feeder stakes when the Philadelphia Temple was dedicated, which is great. Good, it's a good problem to have. So the remaining areas we're going to lose, though, is the Pittsburgh district. Pittsburgh is part of our temple district for reasons beyond understanding. It is not part of Columbus. Columbus, I don't know why. Pittsburgh's like two hours from Columbus. I don't. It's four hours from DC. I have no idea what that behind that. But uh, we're going to lose all of southern Virginia, though. I guess the DC Temple is going to wind up being very much a just like capital region temple, when that all. Is all said and done. So anyway, sad times. What do you have,
1: Sarai? What do you want to talk about? Okay. So what I want to talk about, we need to go into this because I actually just, I had to give a talk in church yesterday and I, I talked about this because it is insane to me. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, there was a story recently of two men who were arrested uh, for fraud. They had managed to bilk 80 investors here in Utah of $11 million. There we go. They concocted the scheme. They both already were in prison serving similar charges. Wait, but, but they, they were doing out, fraud while they were in prison? They did the fraud after they got out of prison. They concocted the oh, scheme wow. in prison and then got out <laughs> together <laughs> it's Like the worst. and part to you know, decided to, to go to town again. on this. And they, they told people that they'd had a spiritual revelation in 2008 about an exclusive algorithm for trading currencies, commodities, indices, stock bonds. But it wasn't until 2011 that the technology caught up to his vision. Oh, sure. That's a
0: normal problem. Yeah.
1: Because that's how it works, right? Yeah. And they got so many people to invest. And, you know, we look at that and we go, oh, how is such a thing even possible? So I have to tell this story. A few years ago, I wanted to write a book about a girl who gets recruited by the FBI. And it was a YA book. I was super excited about it. And I'm like, "But I don't actually know anything about the FBI except for what I see on TV. And the stuff on TV is some nonsense. Like that show Quantico. Did you ever see that? I saw a little bit of it. I know it had a, had a uh, Latter-day Saint. It had the Mormon or... who was like a murderer. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. have never spoken to a Mormon in your life. Cause he's talking about how he was on his mission and he got this girl pregnant and then he drove her for hours to get an abortion. He couldn't have his family find out. And I'm like, where was this dude's companion? Like, I don't know. On your mission, can you just disappear for two days and nobody says anything about it?
0: Not to defend the character, but having known some other people who've gotten into hot water as a missionary, I've asked the same. I've wondered too, like how, where, I, I had a friend, I had a friend of mine who served a mission and he straight up snuck out at night and like went clubbing and stuff like while his companion was asleep.
1: Okay. That's understandable. You can see that. like It's not good, but the guy's asleep. But when you're gone for two days, I think your companion would notice. Oh, yeah, okay. like, yeah, yeah. Their sacrament meeting was inside a building that looked like a temple. You know, I'm like, that's not what our churches look like. But the whole thing was just infuriating. And then he kills someone so they won't find out his big secret. It was super dumb. So, anyways, I thought, I don't know anything about the FBI except for what I've seen on television. And I don't think it's correct. And so the FBI has a page where you can contact them. And they get in touch with me. And at the time, James Comey was the director of the FBI. Uh, yeah. I think it was all pre Trump, if I remember correctly. And he said, I'm gonna send an The publicity office said, We're gonna send an agent to your house. And I was like, Yeah, score. I was super excited. The guy gets there, he makes me turn off my phone in front of him so he knows he's not being recorded. Yeah, sure. And he's like, I pretty much have been ordered to tell you whatever you want. And I am not happy about being here just so you know. And I'm like, super sorry. But his story was he was working in politics fraud in Washington, DC, and had done that for decades and then they said okay well you know you've earned the right to go where you want where do you want to go he's like how about i go to utah that seems safe that seems you know small and calm and that'll be a nice change of pace and he said you have the most politically corrupt system i've ever seen and i thought someone coming from washington dc saying that he goes because you have a one-party system your politicians are taking advantage of it and they are bilking people out of millions of dollars because they can because there's no one to stop them
0: Did he mention any, also the fact that the church has so much sway over politics in the state? He said it wasn't
1: so much the church. He said the problem that he saw in this, we're we're getting into with the article, is he said, you are the most gullible, naive people I have ever met in my entire life. That all someone has to do is mention the church to you and you roll over and show them your belly. Like, and I, I, as someone who loves to read the scriptures, I thought when Christ was talking to his apostles, he was very specific in what he told them. And he said, go out there. And be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I think we in the church are super good at the harmless that does doves part, right? Like we're going to be kind, yeah. We're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. We're going to be sweet. But everybody forgets about the wisest serpents. And the serpents were considered to be the most intelligent animal. They used to worship them. That's why it's a symbol of Christ, right? And nobody does that part. Nobody questions. And I, because I was a gospel doctrine teacher a few years too. And we had that woman going around. I don't remember her name, but she was the one who was like, The world's going to end. The economy's going to collapse. We're going to be living in white tents in the desert. I don't know if maybe you didn't hear of her. Maybe she was a Utah phenomenon. But people kept bringing her up in class. And I'm like, this woman is obviously a fraud, you guys. She's obviously fake. That even if she got some prophecies or had a vision, it is not for us. It doesn't belong to us. But they were asking about it and bringing it up in class. And I kept saying, all right, well, you know what? In three years, I guess we'll see. Because she put dates on her. And that's the first thing. If you're going to try and lie to people and trick them about prophecies... Do not put a date on it because that date's going to come and go. And that's exactly what happened. And when those dates came and went, she closed everything down behind a paywall and she still has her acolytes. She's still got her followers who are going and doing that. But you know she's not out there making these pronouncements anymore because people believe it. They fall for everything. And all you have to do is just say, oh, I had a revelation or I have this, bring up this spirituality and make a little connection to you. And we are so easy to con. There's my big rant for the evening. So...
0: That's fair. They call it affinity fraud. And yes, Utah is famous for it. I can't believe these guys actually like they're in jail already for fraud. And they just figure, well, you know, we can do it. Again. Sorry. Oh, I heard it. Hello, yeah. husband. Hello, hello. Nice He's hearing.
1: gone. Yeah, yeah, We, we I, love to fall for it. And this I mean, these guys are not the first case of this happening. I mean, this guy was telling me stories. And it's not right. just even that it's things like there was a state president who was prosecuted for child abuse, for yeah. being a pedophile, and they let him off. I mean, he the, the agent talked to me about that. He was infuriated, and it was because a jury said God would never allow a state president to do something like this. He wouldn't be allowed to be state president. And I'm like, that's not how any of this works, like, at all. People are still human, and even if they're called to do something, that doesn't give them a magical bubble that prevents them from temptation and making mistakes, you know? So... But we all just kind of go, well, if he's a bishop and he's telling me on this, then, you know, it must be true. No, please question. Why is this serpents?
0: Ah, Sarai, you're doing a good job making me... Qu- Every now and then I daydream about moving to Utah just to get back out west, you know. <laughs> you know Sorry, the, 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 the soft goal is to like, you know, be within a day's drive of Southern California to be, to see, be back home and everything. But then, but then you, uh, a voice of reason, reminds me of all the reasons not to. You know like
1: I didn't, it? I didn't grow up here. I grew up in California and yeah. in Ohio, and then we moved here. And I remember being, you know, a newlywed, and like all these rules would come out, and we couldn't figure out why. Like, why is there this rule now? And there was all these traditions and cultural things here that the rest of us didn't know about. And they're like, we can't do this at missionary farewells anymore. And I'm like, well, why not? You know, and it's because the Utah's were messing it up somehow. Um, but like, we had one where you know my my oldest son was blessed, and my in-laws from Utah came out and we're sitting at the church and we have a blessing and you know and sacraments over and we're going to class and they're like, what are you doing? Going to Sunday school. What do you mean what are we doing? They didn't get it. Like it was just a to them. And then afterwards it was like, well, where is our where is our lunch? Where's the party? And we're like, what are you even I called my mom and I'm like, they want food. What do I do? I mean we live in a little condo, like we're having to serve people. So my mom came over and made all this food and, you know, it was really great. But now that I live here, I know why. Everybody leaves after sacrament. If they have like a blessing or something, they all just leave and they go up and have a party. So I, I didn't know any of that. It was quite a cultural shock. And I don't know if you guys do this, but do you have the uh, the birthday announce or the baptism announcements that look like wedding invitations? Do you do that out there? They take their daughters like to the temple. And put Not really. And it looks like a reception photo. You know, they do that out here. I think, I think some do
0: that. I wouldn't say it's a... I I don't know to be a strong. I think pretty much everybody does it out
1: here. So okay,
0: so see, I can't. Here I was, I was going to work for Young Living and just, uh, you know, just live my MLM dream. But I guess sell your
1: essential oils.
0: They're not meant to be. Um, Speaking of some other scandalous things, sort of. So for the past few years, we've spoken about uh, BYU's police department and some of the hot water it's been in, uh, primarily because of sexual assault cases and the handling thereof. Uh, and so, and, and issues with the honor code office, or we could go into this ad nauseum and how all this and that. But uh, the big thing was the BYU PD was at the risk of being decertified by the state, which would basically mean, sorry, BYU, you don't get to have your own police department anymore. It's just going to be like Provo PD now covers campus. And that's how it's going to be, which as a as a somewhat insular faith community at times, I think we like control. I think we like being able to control who our police department is at the Lord's University, for example, and not leaving it to the heathens over there on Center Street at City Hall. I mean, you can't have that. So uh, this was the big risk. But apparently the judge will not decertify BYU police over honor code investigations. They've decided not to take it that far, uh, let them fight on another day. Uh, and as far as we know, that's sort of that for now. So um, congratulations, BYUPD. You, if, if your dream, Utah County folk, was to be a police officer, but specifically to be a BYU police officer, well, the dream can, can remain for you. Hey, I- Congratulations, everyone. This is so, it's just so good. I'm so happy uh, for all of you. Another quick one to bring up, and uh, this one's interesting. Pig apps in religious states. Which is kind of interesting to me. Now, of course, Utah, according to a Gallup poll, is the second most religious state in the country after good old Mississippi. Uh, it's basically the South plus Utah. That's kind of I how these. How, how
1: do we lose that?
0: Well, yeah, the, the evangelicals and
1: the Baptists. Okay, right, that makes sense.
0: Exactly, but but studies have found that uh, more religious places have bigger wage gaps overall. What we mean by a wage gap is simply women don't get paid as much as men even for the same job. And of course, this is a a big issue in society in general that we hear about. Um, They even use examples of other developing countries, for example, like in Pakistan, the Philippines, Sri Lanka, women earn like 46% as much as men. In places where there's less emphasis on religion, at the state level, for example, like Estonia, Sweden, Denmark, that, that gap is much narrower. This happens, of course, here in the United States as well, where we find that Utah has a significant gap because of religiosity. I I think they basically reduce it down to the fact that, I mean, in Utah culture, women are supposed to be home for the most part, right? I mean, it's it's that fine line. Like we believe in the proclamation on the family and Latter-day Saint culture defines a lot of what Utah culture is. And so it's it's a harder state to overcome than in other places that don't really factor that in as much and are fighting more for uh, women's equality. I think this is interesting data. I think it's, I don't love it personally. I think, obviously, I do believe in the proclamation on the family. I think it, those are wonderful roles that we all have and share. Uh, but I also think women have plenty to add to the professional sphere. And, in if, and if that's the course they choose, they should not be you know, penalized for it. They should not be paid less. And then women should never, ever, 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 ever be paid less because of the dumb excuse that they might have babies, so they'll disappear. That's that that one drives me absolutely crazy. Cause I'm like, well, who else you want the men to have the babies yeah. then? Like who else is gonna have the babies?
1: Well I yeah, absolutely. I, I look at this and you know and I think the article's kind of skewed towards blaming. I mean it's not blaming, it's just presenting facts. But, you know, I can tell you in publishing this is 100% true. It has nothing to do with religion. You know, that male authors are given these massive advances. You know, they write some nasal-gaving midlife crisis professor having sex with a co-ed, and it's fine literature, but a woman does something similar, and it's smut. You know, we're put in completely different genres. We're, we're less yeah. than. And we've, we've talked about the treatment, you know, that we see. or like At young writers' conferences, the men are treated like they're these gods that know everything and they're lifted up and they're the ones speaking. And I'm like, and the women are the one in the trenches doing the work in these genres. And yet even we're doing it to ourselves, you know, and it allows some really bad behavior. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or talked about it on your show, but there were some LDS authors who were, uh, taking advantage of women at these conferences, married men, returned missionary, married men who oh, were going good. to these conferences to hit on and, you know, Hey, come up in my hotel room and I'll help you get a book contract.
0: Right. Um, it's basically it the equivalent calling. of, the, it was the casting couch, but for
1: the publishing industry. Exactly. And, you know, the, one guy, I'm like, how does this guy do this, you know? And they said, basically, when he was traveling, he didn't consider himself to be Mormon or married. And I'm like, that's not how it works, any of it. So I, I I see this kind of gap and this kind of disparity that exists everywhere. And I don't know how we fix it. I don't know how we go forward. But I can tell you, in my ward, I would say most of the women work, you know, if not if outside the, home. the whole time. Do they work full time yes. or is it part time? I think I see full time. I see. I've got a good friend, Jen Springer, who has a Instagram site where I thought I know she works on that stuff all day, and she's not out of the home, but she is bringing in money for her family. And there's there's lots of women who work from the home even before the pandemic. That you know they are working, and I I live in a nice you know nice neighborhood, and and you almost expect that we would have more of it. We do have the very pretty women with you know the beach wave hair and you know the, the fake eyelashes all the time, but. Um, we do also have, I, I have much higher than when I was younger, you know, that when I was growing up in the church, nobody worked, you know, um, and my mom, I know she, there was a time where she had to work where she, we needed insurance for our family. We didn't have any, and she was about to have her sixth child. And she's like, I have to go to work because somebody has to have insurance. And she prayed about it thinking the Lord would tell her no. And he said, the Lord said, go to work. And she absolutely felt a hundred percent good about the decision. And, you know, and I just think, and it's interesting how the church has kind of, I think, moved away from that. You know, they've moved from these very clear definitions of women stay home and men work to, I don't really hear them saying that kind of stuff anymore. I don't know if, maybe I'm just not hearing it, but um, I, I think women have a lot to contribute. And like with Elder Uptor's talk, talking about that we need to create and we need to tap into this, you know, godlike power that we have. Um why would we ignore that? Why would we deny ourselves that? You know. So.
0: And I, and I think the uh, the influencer economy certainly changes a lot of that too. I mean, uh, absolutely.
1: You know, the I mean, we have mommy blogs. blogs.
0: Yeah. We joke a lot about like MLMs and the part-time stuff for that, but then of course we had mommy blogs, and now, like you said, your friend on Instagram, like the influencer life is a whole different thing, yep. and there is real money to be had. You know, and there's, uh I don't know if you saw there was a piece about it. We talked about it on the show who wrote about that? Was it like the New York times covered it or something, but talking about like Latter-day Saint mm-hmm. uh, influencers on social media and how some of those, but how some people though are uncomfortable with how it kind of blurs the line between just a simple, like something that's strictly commercial and something that is like a calling in a way, like if they're using it to uh, share the gospel and if they think it's justified and stuff, that was a fascinating piece. That's a, it's an interesting world to be in, right? I you know, just to, to do all that. I mean, my mom worked, my parents were divorced. So my mom, worked and I'm glad she went to college and my dad didn't. And so when my parents got divorced, our quality of life went up because my mom was able just to go back in the workforce and we were, we were fine. So don't pay them less people.
1: Yeah, don't absolutely.
0: Uh, da, 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 da. Quick ones. There's a good profile in LDS living on Don Bluth, who is a famous animator. Uh, if you've seen a lot of classic Disney films, especially in the 60s, 70s, Don Bluth was involved. Don Bluth left the Walt Disney company though. right around the turn of the 80s because he felt the quality of the films was declining, which was absolutely true. I'll geek out about the. I grew up by Disneyland, so I will not geek out too much here. But uh, he's done a lot of classic films. You've seen The Land Before Time, um, American Tale, The Secret of Nim*, which is an awesome movie by any measure even today. He's had an amazing career. He's a member of the church. There's a cool long form profile of him over at LDS Living that I encourage you to check out. Other couple quick mentions. Unfortunately, two missionaries have passed away this uh, in the past week. One of them was in Nigeria, um, Elder Samuel Joseph Issa Jr. Uh, he died. I'm trying to remember if they ex- said how. Just had a sudden health episode, uh, and he passed away. So that is some terrible news. And also, a missionary from Utah, uh, Elder Jake Smith was serving in Arkansas and he was involved in an automobile accident and passed away. So we're always sad to uh, hear about our missionaries falling in the field, uh, whatever the reason may be. So
1: sad stuff there. Especially as a mom, I've got a son who's returned missionary and it's like sending them is so hard in the first place. I can't even fathom the devastation of getting that phone call. And this this child you entrusted to the Lord is not coming home. And, you know, and I, I'm not questioning him, but I just think I understand what that must feel like. And I it's devastating to me to even think of.
0: I, I remember when uh my, my mission president's wife told us if they ever had to call home, and they actually they mission offices call home more on occasion than I think we realize sometimes, just to let parents know what's going on. But I remember she'd say, My mission president or his wife, the first thing they would say is like, This is so and so. Your son or your daughter is fine. Like that, if, yeah. that was the first thing they would lead off with because every parent dreads that call. Like, why on yeah. earth would, like, why would my mission president in Spain be calling halfway around the world for no good reason? Right. And so, and my mom told me, I think he called once because they called when we had like our visas finally went through and we were able to get to the country and they called to tell him. And of course, like, she picked up the phone and she was apprehensive. She was worried that something happened to me. So, it didn't. Um, well, what do you want to hit on this week, Sarah? What stories do we
1: have? Okay, we have to talk about this "a men and a women" thing. It's just simple grammar. I, I fail to see the issue. Uh, I okay. I am a woman. Right, maybe, maybe can you? Stupid. Why don't you I, explain to our
0: listeners in case they missed this story? What is this all about? What do you? What is "a men and a women"? What does that mean?
1: So we had a congressional prayer, a prayer that was done, Emmanuel uh, Cleaver. Uh, and he decided to introduce a gesture towards gender neutrality. He said, we ask in the name of the monotheistic God, and then ended it amen and a woman. I, I'm i just kind of dumbfounded by this. I'm like, because does that mean that every word in our language that starts with, or has an M-A-N or M-E-N in it means, you know, we have to now it's gender neutralize it. Everything Instead of is manipulate, gender. it's womanipulate, you know, are we gonna manage something? Or are we gonna woman edge something? You know, I it's I'm like, a, amen is a Hebrew word that means like they're agreeing or peace, and you know, it has nothing to do with gender, like at all. Like it just was such a. My husband calls it virtue signaling. You know that that's kind of what it I am, is. and uh, uh, I, just,
0: it cracks me up too. I'm sorry. Like this is one of these ones where I was like, dude, this is so dumb. Why, are you? especially because that's just in our language and a lot of other languages they still say various forms of amen. Like in Spanish, you say amen, right? To mean the exact same thing. But the word for, you don't call a man, it's not men in Spanish, it's hombre, right? And woman is mujer. Like they don't share that cognate or anything in any way, shape or form. It just so happens that this is a word that has an A before the plural for males. Yeah.
1: And And it has nothing to do with men at all. And it's so dumb to me because like, I don't know what I was going to say, but I just, I, I, I don't understand why we don't have a gendered language. English is not gendered. I mean, you look at a language like Spanish, where every it? word is masculine or feminine, right? Like you, when you put an article in front of it, it's either going to be a masculine one or a feminine one. So, and that's one of the things what's hard for me taking Spanish in school was remembering which was which. Um, but English is not the same. It's not. And just because, like you said, M A N or M E N exists in a word does not mean that you're being gendered or discriminated against in some form. So,
0: yeah. It also makes, I'm not, I'm also on the Spanish realm, I'm not comfortable with the whole Latin X thing to be, to try to have general neutral. So they don't say Latino or Latina. I don't know if you've seen this. People write Latin X uh-huh. to be, Yeah, I'm not into it. Um, yeah. Let's, just, I mean, think about all the words that could be changed if we do this, though. Mentality, wommentality, womenagerie. Women' womenopause.
1: Womenopause should be changed. I think. Just. To be I correct. actually said that to my husband when I saw this article. I'm like, it should be. You know, I'm like, but I think it's menopause on purpose because we can blame men for it. Like, you know, somehow <laughs> you're to blame, and you can take the responsibility, and we're gonna put it on you because it's awful. But yeah, yeah sure. like it just, it just doesn't. It makes no sense. And I thought there's plenty of things where if you don't want to say brothers you know, and you want it to be brothers and sisters because you don't want women to feel like they're excluded, that I think is appropriate. That I think is a good addition. And it's, you know, it helps bring everybody together because I will tell you sometimes as a kid that I had a hard time when they would say brothers in the scriptures. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I understand that, you know, like in Spanish, brothers would be hermanos, sisters would be hermanas, and brothers and sisters is, you know, back to hermanos. It's the same word. Um, It's just the context that you're using it in and the modifiers you're using in front of it. So the same thing happens in Greek, you know, that it's meant to mean everybody, but they just put brothers down because we have not great translations of the Bible. So yeah.
0: Yeah. That's like our bit of levity for the week. Uh, have you seen, they're making a film about the three witnesses called witnesses in theaters summer 2021. It's actually sponsored by the interpreter foundation, which is interesting. And, uh, they're just, uh, it's going to be a film about, about the witnesses, just I, the, three, the three witnesses. I like the, the Latter-day Saint market for dramatic films, commercial films. I think it's, I think it's outstanding.
1: I have so many things to say about Mormon films. Like, please make some good ones. I mean, we do have some good ones. We do have some excellent ones, um, from very long ago, but these kind of commercial ones they're making, I just want to ask people to please stop. Unless you're going to make it be a quality production, you know, it really is this kind of Judy Garland. Let's put on a show mentality that anybody can make a movie. It doesn't have to have a plot or acts or a character arc. It's fine. I can make a movie in my sleep. Um, And we even when we have a successful filmmaker, you know, like Jared Hess, you know, he leaves us, you know, it goes to Hollywood, which, you know, can you blame him? Of course, that's where he's going to end up because he makes good movies. So he's gonna to go to the place that lets him make quality film. And I remember that whole Mormon cinema thing that rose up and like I wanted to support it. Like, man, I was out there buying those films because I thought I wanted to be successful and I don't want that so much anymore. <laughs> what about the bad
0: comedies, like the hailstorm ones? Can you get behind those? You know, They're okay. You know, yeah. like
1: I, as a storyteller, it's very painful to watch a story being told badly. It's very hard for me to watch something that I'm like, you had all the resources, you had all the ability. I'm like, go hire a writer. Don't assume a director is a writer because that's not always true. You know, right. and that's not always a skill set. And it. No, I mean, I've watched them. Have I watched them again? No. I mean, I've watched the Latter-day Saint Pride and Prejudice more than once, but that's because I love Pride and Prejudice. And I actually think they did a fairly good job with that. I, I, I was
0: I was not too so, bad. That came, that came that out on one. DVD yeah, we'll when I worked when I worked at Deseret Book. That came out on DVD. We were very excited to be carrying it. it was uh...
1: it was adorable? And I'm like, if we have to do that, let's go take some old Jane Austen movies and let's make them LDS. That's fine. You know, the characters in the story are already good. Uh, can't really mess or, it up. Or just this year,
0: because you know the public domain Doomsday Clock is going every year. The Great Gatsby just entered the public domain. Why don't we make a Mormon version of The Great Gatsby? I don't know how you handle the party scenes and the hedonism uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff, but I think there is a way to do this. And Soraya, you I think I think you should stop writing the book you're currently working on and do a screenplay right, The Great
1: for Gatsby. Even one. though I hate The Great Gatsby.
0: How the the great American novel as they describe it? Ugh. Ugh. Sorry, I just defend, have the your, authors. defend your print. I'm I'm more ambivalent about The Great Gatsby, but I'm curious about your antipathy towards it. If you
1: d- <laughs> here's my antipathy towards it. I, you know, as a female writer, the more I kind of grow, the more I look at honestly books and movies made by men, and just go, you don't get it. Like, oh, okay. I, I mean, I really do see the male gaze as a real thing. Like, if you watch Wonder Woman, the first one, it is delightful. She is powerful and strong, but she is still feminine. And she sees a baby and she melts and, you know, she could still be just as feminine as women are and love all those things, but you know, still beat everybody up. And I'm like, I, I, I cried when she walks out of the Demilitarized zone, I cried. It was that powerful to me. I'm like, this is, I said, my daughter needs to see this movie. And I'm like, wait, my sons need to see this movie. And I brought them all with me and made them watch it. And then you watch justice league, which is Ah. so many reasons. But I thought there's so many shots of her rear end and her cleavage, and people are falling on her, and she's suddenly this object instead of this warrior goddess, you know, that she had been for us, and that was very difficult for me. I'm like, I finally understand what they're talking about with the male gaze—that it's they've reduced her to something that she is not to please male audience goers. Um, so I think as I've gotten older, like Hemingway, pff, I would push Hemingway out to sea. I hate everything he's written. Fall from getting that <laughs> boat too. And so Fitzgerald, I'm just like, I'm just not up for this. Scott, you and I are just not going to be friends. These are not themes I care about. These are not things I want to explore. I mean, part of the reason why I started writing was uh, growing up, um, probably one of my favorite authors was Terry Brooks, who writes the Shannara series. Um, uh-huh. And my dad loved him. And I love that series. And I, cause I'd never heard of Lord of the Rings. So this is my first introduction to fantasy. And I'm like, it's really good, except for all the romance is bad. Like it's literally, Hey, you're cute. We're together now. And I'm like, but what about the relationship and building up to it? And why is this so bad? And as I got older and started reading more books by women, I'm like, here it is. Here's the stuff I've been looking for. This is the stuff I care about. And for so long, you know, romance has really been, the first time you and I talked, I had a list on my desk of stuff I was going to say to you <laughs> when you mocked romance. Because you know my publicist is like, well, he thinks it's real funny that you write romance. And I'm like, okay, let's go. I'm going <laughs> to start throwing punches. I'm ready. You know, because it really and truly is this kind of misogynistic viewpoint that exists in our culture that anything that is of value to women is less than romance is less than action adventure. It matters less than stuff blowing up. It's not as important. It's not as, you know, and we're just told your things don't matter. And, it, and I think an industry that is for women and by women is constantly belittled. And when the opposite's true, I mean, nobody gets on fantasy football and tells you guys it's stupid. It is stupid. Professional wrestling's stupid, but you know, you're not routinely mocked for it. Men are not mocked for it. It's like, well, yeah, I like fantasy football. If you want to, go ahead, have fun. But women like romance, and it's oh, you silly little women with your silly little books. So, I I, I don't like a lot of classical male authors, to be honest. Mark Twain is probably the exception, even he, oh, and the only reason I love him is because I did a senior paper on him in high school. And I love his sense of humor, but man, did he hate Mormons and did he hate Brigham Young? Holy cow. And he hated Jane Austen, which I just think is unforgivable. He said if he could, he would dig her up and beat her to death again with her own shin bone. So Mark Twain and I have some issues too. But, you know, so that's where I'm coming from. Well, you know, okay. I mean, I was going
0: to see if you wanted to do a view. You know, we could see the story of Jay and Daisy once more and we could watch the
1: DiCaprio version. But fine, fine, fine. let's go (laughs) watch that one. It's fine. Nobody, you know. That one's really weird. They've already started putting out books. Have you seen? They've already started putting out, like, the prequel to Great Gatsby, you know, and people are just all over this, like, in anticipation of it. They've been already writing stuff so that it was ready to go this year when the copyright expired.
0: I I am... And because we're coming up the thing I'm really interested in, I'm referencing Disney before because like Disney's Steamboat Willie in 1928, it's coming up on that. They've been fighting for years to have it delayed, and I think they're gonna keep fighting it. And I know I think the particulars of it mean that only like that Mickey Mouse from like that cartoon would be the one that would enter the public domain, not even the Mm -hmm. one you see today. But it raises this is not even this is in no way Mormon related, but it raises really interesting questions in our day and age as brands have consolidated around particular mascots and identities. It's a, which is a lot different, I think, than it was when great works were published 150 years ago. You know, right. it's like. Like, would you ever actually, in your right mind, say, no, Disney, your mascot now has to be public property and anybody can do anything with it? And I think the gut reaction is like, well, no, that's like their thing. They get to control it. So I, I think it's going to be, I've only loosely watched the realm of, you know, just things entering the public domain, which is funny to see because, yeah, when you watch like all the Sherlock Holmes novels suddenly just start dropping from
1: well, right and left, you know, and everybody just publishes whatever they want because they're. And no they sue. Copy. Sherlock Holmes as a state still sues. I don't know if you know that no I didn't know that. they've decided that there's like these early sherlock holmes novels that where he's much more detached he's much more i guess clinical and scientific and not as emotional or connected to other people like watson and right. then there's a set of series where this guy killed sherlock holmes like he was done doyle was like he didn't want to write it in the first place he hated how successful it was so he killed sherlock holmes And then I guess the publisher came back and offered him so much money that he's like, all right, fine, I will write you more Sherlock Holmes novels, you know, and he wrote a bunch more, but he made Sherlock more emotional, more accessible, more connecting Uh with people. So those early novels are the ones that you can use however you want. The later ones, the Sherlock Holmes or the Conan Doyle estate owns it, and they will sue you. And so you see like um, the Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch version, they sued because- As the series goes on, he gets more attached to people and more emotional and more connected. And so they said, you're, you know, infringing on our copyright. And they did it to, uh, the Enola Holmes one Uh where Henry Cavill played Sherlock Holmes and he was very attached to his sister and very kind and affectionate and lets her get away in the end, you know, kind of a thing. Um, sorry if I just spoiled that for you, but you know, that, that they do still go after people and sue them and they plan on keeping that. And I cannot say anything about it because as an author, this is my work it belongs to me. I very much plan on putting my stuff into trust for my children and grandchildren. And I probably will not make money in the future because I'm so time specific. I'm not writing, you know, something that's going to branch forever. But as long as those things make money, I intend for it to come to my heirs. Like I don't want, I don't know. So I'm very much like a copyright girl. I'm very much, this belongs to me and you don't get your hands on it and you stay out of my books. And, you know, so.
0: Well, okay. Sorry for the digression, everybody. I'm interested. I could talk about this all day, but I don't know if our listeners care as much. Um, oh my gosh. About copyright. <laughs> so we're about we're about out of time this week. Uh, there's a couple other things. The some publication, the Trib, talks about the local restaurants featured on the Real Housewives of Orange County, and I don't even know if I should get Soraya started on the Real Housewives of Orange yeah. or not. Orange County, Salt Lake City. I'm sorry, Orange County yes. is where I am oh, from originally. Yeah. Oh, like the the original Housewives, Cota de Casa, baby. Um, so you can read that if you want, uh, and then I think we'll leave you today. Just I appreciate that they've got a nice. It's you could almost call it a fluff piece, but the Church News has an article looking back at the first three years of President Nelson leading the Church, which I think I can speak for most of us and say it has not gone as we expected. And I don't mean because of COVID. Twenty twenty was this whole other thing, but I think uh, my I definitely thought when President Monson passed away, President Nelson, you know, he was very old. I, th- I think most of us saw him as very traditional and with yep. Oaks coming along for the ride. I think we saw this being just like all right. We are gonna we are gonna be very very rigid and structured and uh, and traditional in this sense. And so the way he has mixed things up has fascinated me. And it's been I mean the list is obviously crazy long when you think about all the things he is he's talked about. I mean you know we go back we're talking. I think I think the first thing we did was come follow me. But then we started reorganizing priesthood quorums and resetting the youth program and just so many so many different things he's done. So you can check that out at Church News and see how impactful his stewardship has been. And I always say, I think there are sometimes caretaker profits and more innovator profits. Neither is better than the other. I think they serve for different stages and for where the church is. Uh, But I think like President President Hinckley, a bit more of an innovator. President Monson shook a couple things up. For the most part, I think he was kind of a caretaker. We just sort of just steadied the ship, kept going. And President President Nelson has been like, blow the thing up, man. Let's just... uh, so so it the air we let's see where it lands so so that has been fascinating to watch, so we'll leave you with that, and that's a good read uh definitely worth your time. good thing to reflect on anyway, we're gonna get out of here. uh Soraya Wilson, thanks for hanging out with us again this week. Thanks for having me. hope you're doing well. glad you're glad you're chugging along with your book. I am excited for the impending release of the seat filler because it fulfills my Hollywood dream of being a seat filler at an award ceremony um which I think sounds awesome. Truly. I used to watch the Oscars all the time as a kid, but uh, that's going to be great. So look out for your books. Obviously, if you haven't heard our interview with Soraya before about her career as a romance author, look back to around September, October when we dropped that and you can check that out and we discuss it at length. Uh, Otherwise everybody, um, thanks for taking the time to listen. We can't do the show without you. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen in every week and hope you'll uh, spread the word and help keep this thing going. So thank you very much. Soraya, once again, thank you. Great to have you here. You're great. And uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Until then, be well, be holy, and be happy.
1: This week in moreminds.com It's over!